Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to uh, another special edition of Auto Know Better. Uh, joined here with uh, Andy Cousins and and Cal from OKB. How's things, gents? Very good, thank you. Good, thanks. Yeah. Good, good. Pleased to hear it. Uh, so, Andy, th- thanks ever so much, ever ever so much again uh, for agreeing to join Cal and myself for a bit of a, a bit of an informal chat on your on your time at Leeds and, and your career, really. Um, what are you doing with yourself these days? I know you got you got a personal training gym uh, go, going on over near Geisley, is that right? Yeah, well, I have, yeah, that's closed. I've also got another business which is um, called Revive, which is uh, an IV business. So we have doctors and nurses who work for us. Um, we do IV therapy. Um, so we put the goodness back in people's bodies, get rid of hangovers uh, is one part. But we, you know, more than anything now with, with COVID and, and other things which are out there, you know, the preventative health side of it is something which we, we pride ourselves on. Um, so we can increase your immune system with extra vitamin C. We can do B12 shots. Um, we've sort of got something called Slim Boost, we got an anti-aging infusion as well. So we've got quite a lot of things which, you know, the present moment in time are very important for a lot of people, um, you know, to look after themselves a lot better. You know, the healthier we are, the, the more we can fight this this horrible disease and, and the reason none of us can go watch Leeds at the minute and, and we're watching everything on telly and we're doing all these Zooms and, and so yeah. on and so forth. So, you know, the sooner we can get back uh, to a normality, then uh, the better. And if we can have a little bit of a, a say in that, then um, then even better from, from, from our point of view. Wicked. Jeez, uh, Andy, just going back to that um, anti-aging stuff that you had, we could have done with a bit of that being dished out throughout the crowd for the last 16 years, you know, while we were, <laughs> while we were wrong, down in the doldrums. I think we've all had a bit of a rough time the last 16 years. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the disappointing thing is that we just can't enjoy this this year because some of the football we're playing is is outstanding. Um, you know, it's, uh, we've had a lot of heartache. We've had a lot of um, 
you know, ups and downs as we as we as we sing and you know yeah. we all know about. Um, I think you know you look at what happened against you know Derby you know a couple of years ago. It's you know to where we are now. It, it, it it's scary really where the football club is and and how big we've come and also people actually liking Leeds United, which is. Which is also another part of it, which I don't know if we like that too much. But no, um, we're not. Not, no, not a fan of that. <laughs> you know what? I'll take it off the pundits. I don't mind it from the fans. They can give us as much stick as they want because we don't like anybody else either. So, um, but from pundits, you know, I think when you get Gary Neville, and, and I know we, you know, he's a Man United and everything else, but I think you know Gary Neville is very well respected within the the commentary side of things. And when he's when he's praising us like he is. You know, you've got to take uh, so much pride in that, I think. You know, especially when we've got other pundits out there who who decide that we aren't good enough and we're, you know, the way we're playing is not, not right and the, the manager's, you know, philosophy isn't right. Well, if his, if his philosophy is not right, then Pep Guardiola's philosophy is not right and he's winning the league at the minute and, the, and gone out and won as many trophies as he has. So, um, you know, I'll take some credit from the pundits instead of the, uh, the criticism. Every absolutely. fan in the world can criticise as much as they want because we like that side of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Shipley lad, is that right? Born and born in yeah, Shipley. Born and bred, yeah, born and bred over that way. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was born in Bradford, well, in Shipley. Lived in Bailden all my life. Um, grew up there. Obviously, then went to Leeds as a as a schoolboy, and you know, got through the ranks. Um, you know, kind of a kind of funny way, really. I went. I actually went on a, on trial, and like you did in them days, we weren't picked up at six or seven year old like they are now. We were we were literally fourteen, fifteen before. Well, fourteen before we could actually sign. And right. um, I used to uh, I play for Bradford Boys and Bingley Juniors over this way. And you know, I don't know if anybody remembers, but the Northern Ireland uh, goalkeeper Eric McManus, who was at uh, Bradford, I used to play with his son Stephen McManus. And we both went on trial and we needed a right back and uh, on the trial. And Stevie just put his hand up and just goes, because will play right back. He's, he's a midfielder, but he'll play right back. It's not a problem. <laughs> I played right back and, you know, I got through and he didn't. And he went off to, to play in other places. And I, you know, in a way, the rest is history a little bit, really. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just talking about that, uh, that youth period at Leeds, you played infamously in the, uh, in the, the win uh, in 1993, the Youth Cup against Man United. Yeah. Some real yeah. players in that. I've had a look today, actually, over the team sheets in there. Um, you've got the likes of playing against Gary Neville, uh, Keith Gillespie, Nicky Butt, Beckham, Scholes, and Robbie Savage, I believe, as well, was was on the team sheet that day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, looking at the Leeds team, that, that, that beat them as well. Um, you've got yourself, Noel Whelan, Jamie Forrester, Tinkler, um, what was it like to play in in that team? And did you have an idea that the players you were playing both with and against were going to go on to the things and, and win the things potentially that they did? I think with the you know if, if I talk about the Leeds lads first, you know we we Paul Hart came in and had a massive um, influence on all of us. I think um, did Paul. He was uh, he was a hard man. Um, he put us in line, but he you know we played decent football as well. You know we had Snowy up top. Um, you know, Noel, um, we don't know him as Noel, by the way. We know him as Snowy because he settled in so quick, you know. But, um, <laughs> you know, Snowy up top was a big lad and, and you know, we could play off him a little bit. He, he Snowy obviously went off and did what he did. And, you know, we Coventry and Middlesbrough and, and elsewhere. Um, but look, you know, we had a, we had a real togetherness. We, we all speak now. We all have a WhatsApp group together. Even, you know, I kind of go back to this and in, we've got a WhatsApp group, which is, 
all that 92-93 era, you know, not just the youth team, you know, and the people who play in the first team and things, but the first team is Chrissy White's on there, Chrissy Fairclough's on there, um, Rod Wallace is on there. We, we, we all keep in touch. Um, yeah. And I think that's when football was very much of a family. And I think, you know, we, we had some sad news the other day and, you know, from one of the players and, uh, you know, all the lads were straight on and, you know, we all, you know, we're, we're on the WhatsApp group straight away and, you know, if you need anything, you need to talk, if you need to do anything, you know, we were there for them. And that, that kind of togetherness was something which was, was definitely there at that time when, you know, obviously the first team had won the league the year before and, or the season before, and then they struggled that year in particular. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, we personally went on and I think we were that carrier of, of Leeds United following it, following it on that next season. And, uh, you know, we struggled a little bit early doors in the, in the rounds. And then we, we played Norwich away in the semi-final, I think it was. And, you know, we, we had about six or 7,000, I think at Ellen Road that night, um, which was, which is a big crowd for us. You know, we, we, we were all playing reserve team football. We, we had people who were touching on the first team as well. Um, at the same time, you know, and we were playing week in, week out for the reserves and, you know, we, we were playing against men and I think that that helped us, you know, we're, I think physically we're a little bit more than what Man United were. Um, but look, the lads itself, we, you know, we had a great bunch of lads. We, we got on really well. We had some, we had some very good times. Let's put it that way. We had uh, court cases going on. <laughs> you did wrong, you've got a court case. Um, you know, the discipline was a big thing. Um, you know, and some of the court cases were, you, you'd just be locked up. You'd be, sacked now if you did them you know, <laughs> yeah. which I will tell you which I won't mention any names but something had happened so we, we tied him to the um, to the medical bench in the first team room we DP all over him wire brush stuck him down with gaffer tape and took him out onto Ellen Road um, outside <laughs> the team, um, left him on the in the middle of the road for uh, a good 10 minutes the gaffer came in and Paul Hart and the gaffer came in and said what's such and such out there for him. He said, well, it's a couple of days he's been found guilty. And he said, um, all right, no problems. Give him 10 minutes and go pick him back up again. The <laughs> <laughs> discipline, that's where we learn. Um, you know, we learn things from that. You know, we had, Gary Kelly was was there. He was our first year when we, it was a class of the second year, but it was a first year pro the same time um, we came in. Um, the Irish influence was coming into the, into the football club as well. So we had a, we had a real good, camaraderie and we as I say we're still in touch with a lot of people but that night in particular we didn't really know what was happening I think I think coming to the actual game itself we knew a lot of the Man United lads um you know a lot of our lads had played for England Tinks was was the captain for England at that point as well you know from schoolboy area coming through um they all knew each other we all knew each other we still speak to them now I, I was with Scalzi when we could last year we were at a golf do together I still speak to like people like Robbie Fowler and people like that you know, which are, you know, the Liverpool contingent, which again, we're all the same age. Um, you know, I played in the under-21s with Beckham and, uh, you know, we, we kept in touch for a long time through through Adidas and things. I was sponsored by Adidas, he was sponsored by Adidas, so we used to go down there. And it was just, it was different. Football was totally different. Um, I think the biggest thing and the biggest difference between Manchester United at that time and that era coming through and us coming through was two things. I think they were coming into a successful team um, and they were drip fed in and Fergie looked after them and they got coached. Um, I think with us, you know, no disrespect to McEnigan because he was a legend, um, you know, and Howard Wilkinson when we were coming through, but we didn't really get coached until Strack started taking up the coaching. And, you know, he was, when we were a pro and he, he was the one who kind of took the under 21s and Gary Kelly was 
was playing week in, week out for, for Leeds. And, uh, you know, Gaz was still in the afternoons with, with Strack to do, um, you know, to do the extra training. So I think from our point of view, it was Manchester United lot went off and got coached a little bit more, got dragged in and into the teams a little bit more. There's a Phil Neville told us that Fergie got him in and he played the week before and he played really, really well. And Fergie got him in and he said, I need you. He played brilliant on Saturday, but he, I need you for such and such a game. I can't remember what game it was, but I need you for this game um, to be fit and ready and raring to go for this game. He says, oh, all right, right, yeah, perfect. It comes out, you know, chin up, and thinking, brilliant. Went and had a look at the fixtures. The fixture, the fixture he was talking about was two months down the line. But lo and behold, he played in that game because he said that he was going to play in that game. He was already in. Um, so he'd earmarked, I think, when these players were going to be playing. And I think that, you know, Beckham made his debut against Leeds at, at Old Trafford. I played in that game in... Uh, 95, I think it was, 94, 95 or something like that. Um, you know, the rest is history with him. You know, he, he went off to be a superstar um, and what a player he was and, and what an ambassador he is for, for English football now and, and and world football, really, I suppose, where he's got to. Um, you know, it's a bit frustrating from the Leeds' lad point of view that we didn't hear <laughs> as much as the boys did, but, you know, these things happen. Yeah. Did, a kid. did you feel... Um... Andy, did you feel like after that FA Youth Cup win, did you feel like that was a nearly like a springboard for you to for for a lot of you to to get the opportunity to play in the first team, or were you disappointed in how long it potentially took you to get that first appearance, or how how how, how did you feel um, after that? I think it was a you know for me personally again I I I had actually made my debut in the first team um, before then I played um, against Grand Passey. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers that one, which was which was that year. It was the year when um, I, I we were playing games and we were playing lots of games at the time. And you know, I played in uh, I played in that one. Actually, I was hung over that morning as well because I thought I'd go home and enjoy myself. So I'd gone out. Um, I was an apprentice and it gets me playing in the first team, and uh, I ended up playing the first team. I ended up playing the whole game, and uh, so. I, I'd had a little bit of a, and there was 27, 26, 27,000 there. And I think I'd got a feel for it then. Um, I was playing regular in the, in the reserve team. I think, you know, the problem we have now in football, just generally, I think the reserve teams, the under 23s of what they call them now, are just not competitive enough. So to get these kids coming through and playing and, and being in the, in the first team, I'm ruth I'm a bit more ruthless, I think, than what other people would be. I think if you, if you're good enough, you're going to be good enough early you know we look at Shackleton now he's good enough he, you know the kid is good enough you look at Calvin he was good enough um, Pascal is good enough you know these mm. kids are good enough if they, if they if they're good enough at 19 then they they're not going to be good enough if they're not good enough at, sorry if they're not good enough at 19 they're not going to be good enough at 23 really yeah interesting you say that Andy interesting we, we had a uh, quite a, a heated debate about this a couple of weeks on the main pod about if you're good enough, you probably wouldn't be playing under 23s football. You know, you'd be either on loan at a, a lower league first team uh, to get the, you know, to go to the school of hard knocks, so to speak. Um, just to sort of reiterate what your point, your point that you said earlier um, about being a little bit more ready than Manchester United were because you've been playing with the big boys, some of you. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting point that. Yeah, I just think that I think the kids now. I think the, I think in the Premiership now, I think a lot of people. The kids now are they expect the million they potentially could be millionaires without even playing a football match. Mm-hmm. Um, is that right? Is that wrong? You know, for me personally, you know, it's wrong. 
You know, I know players who played for England. I know one player who played for England, playing for Manchester United. He was on £150 a week when he made his debut, I think it was, for England. £150 a week. Unbelievable. You know, um, you know my first contract was £150 a week. You know, you, you look at that now, you look at apprentices' wage, now it's £150 a week, you know, to be an apprentice. And, you know, my apprentice wage was £29.50 and we got a free bus pass. Um, we had to get ourselves into work and we had to get ourselves there for nine o'clock and... I think the kids now get it, they do get it very, very easy. And I think that, um, I do think that causes a problem. I think obviously people, football clubs don't want to lose the best players. They don't, don't want to lose a Kelvin, for instance. Um, and I get that, but on the same side of it is your scouting system and your, and your, and your managers and your, and your uh, coaches and things like that will be able to also be able to tell you if they're good enough to play in the first team. Um, and this is where this is where for me, you know, the, the reserve team football as was potentially is more important because you know I can remember playing against Manchester United in the reserve team down at Ellen Road. We got beat seven no, I think it was. Uh, they had Roy Keane, Brian Robson, Dion Dublin, Mike Phelan. <laughs> um, Jesus, they, you know, it, we had you know we had literally had a we had a kids team, we had a youth team playing really, and yeah. we got absolutely battered, you know. The manager came in, he gave us a bollocking, um, you know, and, and we went away and we have to learn from that. And I think as a kid, you know, at a big club, you don't learn too much playing in the reserves. And, mm. you know, you want these players who are not playing week in, week out, not to be playing under 23s. They wanted to be playing against, you know, a bit more, you know, men. Um, yeah. So they know what a tackle is. They know how to handle themselves a little bit more. They know how to, how to uh, you know, if the game's not working for them, how to change it, you know, an experienced pro would, would, would be the person to help you. And they, they nurture you through a little bit. I think the problem we've got now is we, we have players who are very much like robots that need to be told what to do all the time, instead of being able to just change, you know, I think Leeds at this present moment in time, maybe one of the only clubs which can just change. And, you know, you look at Dallas, he's all over the place and yeah, that's just yeah. him. Evolving around the around that, you know, who would have said three years ago that that Dallas would have been one of our first picks on the on the team sheet in the Premiership? Yeah. Nobody would have done. Absolutely. Um, but I just think that you know, kids nowadays need to to learn and learn quicker. And I think don't be afraid of losing them because if they're not good enough, it's a ruthless business. If they're not mm -hmm. good enough, they go. They go to they go to another football club. They go to a lower division football club. If they're not good enough, don't keep them on. They're five, 10, 15, 20 grand a week, whatever they're on at these big clubs and never to be played, you know, football again. You know, I saw it, it really pisses me off. I had a, uh, I saw a thing a, a bit ago about a guy who's never played in the first team, never been in, even in the, in the, in the squad. And he's bought his mum and dad a house. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you should be able, you, go and earn your stripes first before you go and, you, you know, before you go and do that. It's um, it's it's a it's a mental world. Look, I don't, I'm not bitter about what people are earning now. That's fine, but I just think that there's, I think the kids need to be ready earlier, mm -hmm. like they used to be. And if you weren't good enough, you got moved on. And you know, 18, you you pretty much there was, you know, for us when we played in the youth team final, uh, if we go back to that, you know, we we had quite a few people who played in that who didn't get a contract. You know, Simon Oliver didn't get a contract. Kevin Daly didn't get a, didn't get a contract in there. You know, Matthew Smithard, um, he got a contract, but a bit later. It was the next year on. But out of the second years, 
there was two of them who, who didn't. Alex Byrne, he was the same. He was in that group. He never got a, a contract. Mm. You know, there was three players who just gone and won the Youth Cup who never got a contract. Now, if that was now, those three players would be on a contract until they were 23, 24 year old. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, playing against your Roy Keynes or you're playing against your, your Steve Hartnesses or you're playing against your, you know, your, your, your players like that in... I suppose in the in the Liverpools and the Man Uniteds of my era, you know, you've still got Michael Owen coming through, you've still got Stevie Gerrard coming through. I think you I think you saw more homegrown players actually playing for their for their teams yeah. and keeping that um that kind of continuity throughout the football club, which I think Absolutely. is massively important. With that with that in mind then, do you think that as a nation we're probably being a little bit detrimental to our chances of having a successful English football team moving forward, or do you think it's do you think it's a worldwide problem? I think it, I think to a certain point it could be a worldwide problem. I think I think in this country, I think we the problem we have is we've got some very very good young players playing in the Premiership at this present moment in time, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them may. There's also going to be a lot of players who potentially would be in their first teams. You know, you look at the game yesterday. Let's look at the game. You know, we Arsenal. I think their whole squad was something like 160 million or something. Yeah. You know, you look at Leeds' squad, it's about 40 million. That's a huge gap between the two. So, how, you know, a young player coming out now and playing, are they going to want to come to Leeds United because they've got a chance to play? Because you know, Bielsa's going to play the kids. He's going to yeah. put them in if they're good enough. Yeah. Them in. Are you going to go to Arsenal? Are you going to go to Man United? Are you going to go somewhere like that? Because generally, you might most likely not going to get into their first team. You might be there till 23. You know, you might be there till 25, but still never play a first team game. Well, it depends on what you're, what you want as a as a human, as a player, as a you know, is it success you want? Is it money you want? And I think that's the problem on that. But I think with the players we've got at this present moment in time, Gareth Southgate has the biggest problem of picking kids who can play together. Mm. It's not a you know, and we are a prime example. We're a team at this present moment in time. And the best team we've had a, a, you know, for England has been a team, not a team of individuals. You go back to the, the, the so-called golden area with Gerard Lampard as the, being the main two. We tried to fit them into a squad and into a, into a team, which really didn't work. Somebody needed to be strong enough and go, Gerard, you're out. Lampard, you're out. Whoever yeah. it will be needs to go to one yeah. side. And, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got some great talent in this country. We've got some great talent who, who also play abroad and, I think if we if we play as a team, then um, you know we we can do very well as a as a nation. I think it doesn't come down to if it's if it's the apprenticeship and it's, it's working your yeah, way yeah. through that. It's about playing football matches and it's about playing in the Premier League or the Bundesliga or out in Italia or you know whatever it will be. It's, you've got to be playing football matches. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm sorry, Carl, just to ramble on. And we know you're Irish and you don't really care about English football, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, so you were at, you, play, you represented Leeds first team over four years, 93 to 97. Um, and I think you made just short of 30 appearances with, with chipped in with a couple of goals there. Um, and you played under, under, under two managers, from what I understand, uh, Wilco and, and George Graham. Anything you'd like? Anything? Anything that sticks out about the two of them? Who was your favourite? Did you? Did you have a preference even, or did it, did you learn more from one or the other? Um, well, I think you know Howard gave me my my opportunity. Um, you know, I played. I, I actually played just under. It was just under forty games with European games and and things like that. Um, 
you know, George George came in. I I started the season the year with with, with George when George came in and Howard was the manager and Howard kind of lost it. I think when we went to um, I was talking about this the other day when we played against Villa um, in the cup final. And he kind of lost it uh, a little bit as Howard. I think he'd lost the changing room with, with a couple of players in particular who were, who were kind of dictating a lot of things which was going on. Um, we were playing people out of position. We were playing people who were injured and so on. And But that season, start of that season, we played Derby away. First game of the season, we drew, I think, three all. we just signed Nigel Martin. Sharpie had just come in. Rushy had just come in. Um no, sorry, uh, come in. Yeah, Russia just come in. Boyer just come in. So, you know, we we've got he's bought well. He got I I'd had a chat with him and he was like, look, you you're a big part of my my squad this year, and I want you to be ready. I want you to be playing. I want you to be playing. You know, if possible, week in week out and um and things. But you're gonna be times when we're gonna drop you and then you're gonna be back in and and things like that. And and Howard was never a person really to talk to anybody like that. You know, and they went to see Howard and you and you generally came out from Howard and it took you three weeks to understand what he'd actually said to you because he, <laughs> he was so far in advance of everything which had been which had gone on before. Um he he really was. He, he his methods were different to, to a lot of people. Um and then we had George came in and I I started the first eight games under George and everything was was fine and my contract was up at the end of the year and, you know, he uh, he just, we played against Arsenal away and that was it, just bang. See you later. I do apologise if you can hear some, I've got, there's some work going on next door and I might get some noise coming through. <laughs> but um, yeah, we played Arsenal away and um, we, it was a weird one. We, you know, Rod Wallace's missus was, was pregnant. She was, she, he got a phone call saying he, so he had to get off. So we literally got off the bus when we were on the way to to, to um, uh, Highbury and he got a taxi back to Southampton to see his missus to get the, the pregnancy and everything else. But he and Hart playing up front. We had Paul Shepard playing centre midfield and, and I was playing centre midfield and I played against Patrick Vieira. I, had to, I was man-marking Patrick Vieira and, and literally just got absolutely battered, um, <laughs> I have to say. And uh, yeah, just um, George was an interesting character. Um he, he after that game, he just came to well, even halfway through that game, I, I got dragged off at half time and he just said, Cuz, this is how we should be playing, this is how we should be playing, this is how this is what we should be doing. And it's like, you know, you're kind of looking at you thinking, You're at Leeds United, not at Arsenal anymore. So, George was a bit of a strange one. Um, my contract talks were, were, were in a shower, um, and things that was a bit strange. He was getting changed after training and dragged me in, and he was literally in the shower by the end of the. Um, so yeah, George was a bit of a strange. You know, he wasn't really there. Paddy was the one who really took quite a lot of the training through the week. Right, right. If I lost you there, you, can, you all froze for a little bit. Yeah, you did. Lost we, 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 only for a second or two. I'm sure it won't be anything uh, oh, too, too too serious. We're good. I think we've got you back now. So, so you moved on. Was it just was it just a case of not not renewing your contract? Then you moved on to uh, to Carlisle uh, in '97. No, I, I kind of, um, I always wanted to sign a new contract. I wanted to sign a contract at the start of the year and um, it was kind of in the talks with Howard and then it went on on hold really um, with my agent and stuff as soon as George came in. And right. we, we, I think there was some initial talks and things like that. Um, but then uh, 
obviously I wasn't playing and then it was different in them days. You know, we I put a transfer request in because it was, he hadn't, he turned down a, a, an approach from somebody, which was Wigan. Um, he turned down an approach from them and he turned that down and never told me and I got wind of it. And so it was like, right, okay, well, look, you know, what do we do? I want to try and instigate, I want to play football. I don't want to be sat, I was sat literally in the, with the kids training, um, you know, with a few of us at that point. Carlton Palmer was another one doing that. Um, Ian Rush was was taking training. We had to come in and Rush just told us what we needed to do and stuff. So, um, yeah, football, football at that point wasn't good. It wasn't great. It wasn't great at Leeds and I wanted to leave and, uh, you know, because I wanted to play football, um, you know, and that was the bottom line. I, I, I very nearly signed for Osasuna. Um, and then we found out that they weren't paying the wages, so that that kind of took a kibosh. And I went to uh, I went on trial to um, Rapid Vienna um, out in Austria, so I went there for a week, um, and that went really really well. That was done. It was a done deal. Everything was sorted. Showed me my house, and this shows you how fickle football is. Showed me my house. I knew what I was going to be on. I'd gone to the guy to see where I got my car from. So the captain took me to there and said, he's going to come in on Monday and sort, sort a car out for you. No problems, all this kind of stuff. So all we literally needed to do was sign the contract the next day. And um, we understand that the, the the guy, one of the agents who was working out there, who was the in-betweener, asked for some uh, extra cash and uh, they pulled the plug straight away. Um, Bastards. And then I ended up... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that would have been a really good move. You know, played, played, played Man United that year um, in the European Cup. Um, and then we got the uh, Leeds actually bought the left back from there as well. Um, i trying to think of his name now. Um, back then. Um, but he came in and I was then going in to play, obviously midfield, but also to, to fill in at the fullbacks um, areas. So, so, yeah, that was a bit of a... a Bit of a shitter, really, to be fair. Yeah. Um, you know, it was something I really wanted to, to do and I really wanted to play abroad and, and things. Um, I ended up signing for Carlisle and, you know, which was which was fine um, when Mervyn was there, but then Merv got the sack and then the chairman took over, um, which, which was Michael Knighton. Um, do I need to say any more? Um, <laughs> if I can swear. I will swear. Yeah, it's an adult um, pod. Do what you want, Andy. Right, well, he's a twat. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, we hated each other from day one, really. We, we just didn't get on. Um, yeah. He, he tried to run the football club. Um, he managed it. He turned up when the press were there and all that kind of stuff. And we just we just clashed. Um, I played 24 games that year and... Uh, we found out there was a contract. There was a clause in the contract for twenty-five games, and they would have had to have paid a bit more money. Um, Leads his way if I'd have played that, and uh, yeah, I started twenty-four that year. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's one of them. And then you just get injured, injuries, and Andrew at Blackpool got injured, um, and that was it really. And then came out and got into got into what I'm doing really, the PT stuff, and then obviously the, the other bits. And I work down at Leeds now as well, so I, I, I do. I do the hosting down at Leeds and um, we uh, with the legends and stuff. So I'm in, in in that group. So I'm either hosting or I'm I'm on the mic asking asking uh, answering the questions. Um, so we still have a, a real good laugh. I'm down there, uh, you know, certainly been down there for the last five years. Every game, pretty much, um, you know, which is uh, it's just a real pity that we're not there now. That's that's the biggest thing for all of us. 
Yeah, you must be missing meeting up with the lads on a Saturday like everyone else now, I'd say, at the moment, if it was, you know, such a regular thing for you every every home game, you know? I think the, the, the problem we've all got at the minute, I think, is that we, we go to, to the games and the biggest thing which we miss out of football, every footballer you'll ask, the biggest thing they miss will be very simple. It's the dressing room and the crack we have with the boys. Um, you don't miss the training, you don't miss the, the, the injuries, you don't miss that kind of, obviously match days is different, but you know, you miss the crack with the lads, you know, and, and that's what we, we still have our Zoom calls and we, we're still in touch. We, we do a Zoom call before every game with some of the hospitality areas um, and we, we have a bit of a laugh on there and, and a joke and stuff and, and things, <laughs> the videos start throwing around on our, on on our uh, WhatsApp group and things and um, you know, our, our match days won't be the same, you know, we, we're all dreading it, to be honest, the first match. Mm. And I've got to be honest, you know, because Norman won't be there um, this time. And I think we're all a little bit apprehensive, really, to, I've got to say, you know, to turn up to to be there. And I think it'll be a bit of an eerie place to start with because I don't think it'll be it'll be suddenly right. Yeah, everything's open, the 38,000 going. Um, yeah. But we we have a, we still have a laugh. That, you know, we, we get together and we have a, you know, we, we yeah, we can take the mick out of each other. Um <laughs> <laughs> each other a little bit more than the others, but um, yeah, we have we still have a good crack together, and I think the camaraderie of everybody. You know, you think of going the supporters going to the pub and, and having a few pints with the mates to before the yeah. game, and getting, that, getting that adrenaline going, and you know, I feel for the players at the minute because it's like you know, there's just no, you know, Rafinha at the minute. You know, Tony Rodrigo's telling us he's he's unbelievable. Like you know, everything oh. about him is unbelievable, and we're. We're sat there. You imagine 38,000 48, there, you know, if we've got this new stand up cheering yeah. and singing and, and the noise. And Megan Kale, imagine, imagine 38,000 watching him Meg oh. Kale like he did. End his <laughs> career. Absolutely. Well, Kale just, he'll, he'll just, it'll run off, won't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, you know, you look at, you know, you look at the games and you look at what we're all missing at the minute. You know, we, we've got, we, we have a team which, and the noise that we know Ellen Road can make, we'd have beaten Arsenal at home. I think we'd have beaten Everton. We'd have got back to Everton. We'd have got back to two all against Everton. Wolves at home, I don't think we'd have, we'd have gone down the result we did. I think we'd have most likely got something out of that game. And they're the games when the supporters are needed. Um, you know, and then we can all go off into the pub after and we can all have a chin wag and moan about this and a moan about that and, and, and so on. I think... Um, yeah, there's a lot of people missing it, mate. I think uh, I think the mental health of a lot of people is is tough, and I think that football, even as it is now, is a bit of a relief. Um, but when it comes back, I think it'll be a, a real relief for a lot of lot of people, a lot of wives as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had um, we had Simon Johnson here a, a couple of weeks back, and he was touching upon upon mental health and that. And it's it's really refreshing to hear that that even. Even though you're from probably a different era of football to today, that mental health still is is a real important part of of every of everyone's everyday life. But but certainly for ex ex footballers who've sort of been right up there, and at the moment they're sort of confined to, to such a small space. Um, one thing I did want to ask you, uh, Andy, was you've, you're obviously quite vocal in in the in the press and stuff around particular players. Uh, you, there's, I've seen a couple of articles last year about you offering. Um, vocal support for people like Berardi, who should have had a new contract, and more recently for for Bamford on his England call up as well. Um, really good to see. Really, I, I 
I love to see ex-players, you know, supporting the current lads. Uh, what, what? But I, I mean, Brad has just come back, isn't it? Hasn't he? So mm. uh, I, I'm excited to see him again. I think one of the things you said in in that interview was how important it was to have a popular figure around around the changing room like Berardi. He's he's obviously a fan favourite. He loves the club. Who was who was that guy in your playing day? We had we had a bunch of them. Um, we really Rad- did. must have been up there, mustn't he? No, Lucas. To be fair, Chief was quite quiet. He didn't really do much. Uh, the biggest joker of the pack was Gaz Kelly, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> Kells was mental. He still is mental. Um, you know, we love him. Um, him and Sharpie together. Kev Sharp and him, him together. It's just like, you might, it's like a firework going off. It's just, <laughs> um, you didn't know if, you, if your clothes were going to be on fire when you came up, hung up when you came up. <laughs> um, I think characters, it's different. I think, you know, what I miss is, and I don't know if football's like this now, is is somebody coming in and giving a bollocking um, when it's needed. And I think, you know, as a young kid, you, you kind of need that. I made my I made my third, my full debut against Knox Forest um, away. I came on for Lucas when he did his uh, crew shirt at, Coven- at home against Coventry. And I played the next game. Gary Speed was, um, was suspended and... Uh, you know, God rest his soul. And um, and he, there's a massive character within the changing room in, in the first place with Speedo. And, um, but John Pemberton pinned me up at halftime, you know, and I, it was my full debut. It's, you know, he, that's how it should be in a way. He pinned me up because he was he thought it was my prop, my fault why Brian Roy had, had got free when... Um, and the gaffer just let it run for about five minutes um, just to see how I'd react or maybe how he would react or how the other players would react. I don't know. Um you know, Dave Weatherall then kind of told Pembo to put me down. Um, he's a big lad. <laughs> um, put him down. And, uh, you know, he used to room and got him out of dust contracts, everything. And this is what he does to me. Um, <laughs> he, uh, but I think that's the, the gaffer just took, sat us down and he goes, Pembo, you're wrong. He was right and you were wrong. And I think that's the thing with within changing rooms. That was that was forgotten. Yeah. You know, I think the problem which we, we had... I go back to when we were in the championship, especially when we played against, um, you know, Derby, and I'd use Derby as an example. I think, you know, Berardi getting sent off was uh, a massive disappointment. Um, I think we could all see it coming, but I think there was, there was something else, I think, for me, which was bigger in that time. I think we had two players in the last four years, three years. Saez was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pontus Janssen was definitely another one. There were two bad eggs within the changing room. Um, you know, we Pontus Janssen was all about himself, um, everything about it. You know, when we scored, he was round the crowd. If we were winning, he was picking up the crowd and everybody else. And the crowd don't really see that and fans don't really see that. But ex-players do. As soon as we lost, he was the first down the dressing room. We straight through, bang, I'm see you later, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, and Derby was the prime example. The noise at Derby was unbelievable before that game. The atmosphere in the place was unbelievable. I think there was a bit of a, a spat at half-time because Berardi was kind of a little bit of an injury. Then he was coming on, then he wasn't coming on, and then he was coming on, and all that kind of stuff was the answer. Obviously, you know, he um, he did what he did against Villa um, at home as well, um, which I think personally, as a player, as an ex-player, I would look at that and go, that's a weakness. Leeds have got a weakness. They've got a weakness in their changing room. They've got a weakness in Pontus Janssen. 100%, you know, because he went against every single person. 
um, on that pitch. And more importantly, he went against his manager. Um, you know, Derby at home, that, uh, that fateful night where he, uh, you know, he came out after and he sat by the hoardings. Again, it was yeah. all for Pontus Janssen. It wasn't for anybody else. It wasn't for the fans. It wasn't for because he was pissed off that we'd lost. It was all because Pontus Janssen had a different thought process about himself. And I think this is the difference now which you've got with Leeds to what we were when we were in the Championship. We don't have one person in that changing room who's a bad egg. Every mm. single person. And this comes from the very, very top for me. It comes from, from uh, Andrea, Angus, Victor, the, the whole shebang coming down that, uh, down that uh, egg slot, all the way to the players, all the way down to the 23s, all the way down to the under-8s, under-6s. They've all pulling in the same direction. Every player at this football club at this present moment in time is pulling in the same direction. And it just yeah. shows you how much camaraderie is. And what I like and say from our side of it is we're all still in contact at this present moment in time. We all still speak to each other. Mm. I'm actually going for a walk with Tony Drigo on, on Saturday with his missus. Um, you know, we, we, we go out for dinner quite a lot. Um, you know, I'm still in touch with Brian Dean. I'm still in touch with Noel Wheel. I'm still in touch with, you know, we speak to Mel every Near enough every other day, Mel rings somebody just to have a moan up about something. But you know, <laughs> uh, we, you know we're still in touch with everybody. Um, yeah. You know, even Dylan Kerr, for instance, Dylan's out in South Africa. He's, he's coaching out there. We're still in touch with Dylan. You know, we, there's still contact between us all. So, and that's the art of, I suppose, social media and, and things like that. So, the camaraderie comes, and the big characters within your changing room are the ones who come in and and can give you a a real good kind of rollicking but also the ones who can when we've had a bad loss on a Saturday who come in on a Monday and, and are jovial and laughing and joking and things because at the end of the day there's nothing you can do about that result you just got to get on with it um, yeah. and some people will be in that state where they where they do go a little bit in the shell oh I didn't play right well on Monday you know my fault for that goal and what, what can you do about it mm. you know mm. train as hard as you can this week get a, wait for the game whenever it is get out there and prove everybody wrong and I think that's what we're doing at this present moment yeah, yeah. smashing um, so yeah. Would, with that in mind um, you sorry can you hear my dogs screeching right. <laughs> um, how do you see obviously I think I think we're probably safe enough to say that we are safe this year um, what, how do you see how do you see the summer recruitment going if we want to push on because of that camaraderie is going to be so important that we've got to be really careful on who comes into the club and I'm sure I'm sure Victor Orta and everyone else are going to do their due diligence and some real detail about the players' personality, not only their their, their, their character, but how, how they can play football as well. Um, do you see us having a, a busy summer then uh, in terms of pushing on and to, to, to push for potentially a higher top half or even European places next season? I, do, I personally do think we need some more recruitment. Um, they'll be looking. They'll have the lists already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Victor... He comes on our calls and, you know, every now and again and the passion which comes from him, I think he can buy any player really just from his passion. Um, mm. I think I think we're lacking in a few places. You know, I think left-back is a place we struggle. Um, Centre-half, we've struggled because we've had two internationals who have been out, um, which has been unfortunate. But then can they cope with, you know, first season in with Bielsa and Bielsa ball and how he plays and how he's how fitness how much fitness you've got to have, you know, is that something which uh, which you know comes into there? Um, I do. We I think the biggest thing for me at the minute is we need somebody who's going to take over Kelvin's spot when he's injured. 
you know, because I think every time Kelvin's not playing, we we can see that there's a gaping hole. I think, you know, I think the game yesterday um, you know, against Arsenal, we, we you know we've missed him massively. We've missed him, you know, we missed him at all games. He's not played even in the Championship. We missed him because he is that good. Yeah. Um, I think that you know having somebody who can just come into that role and and just kind of nip in a little bit and just go, yeah, I can come into there. Um, is it Stewie Dallas? Is it Click? Is it you know? I don't know. Um, you've got. I think something in there would be would be quite good. But yeah, I think. Well, they'll have the lists already. Um, yeah, it looks like we're safe, but we you know we'll be safe when we're points yeah, wise safe. We've got busy yeah. busy little time coming up. We we've got teams around us to play, mm. um, so we can get a bit of a run. I thought you know Arsenal. But we played all right. Second half, first half was shocking. You know, a silly yeah. mistake from the keeper. You know, but let's not let's be right. This keeper's been absolutely unbelievable for us since he's been in, um, and saved us a lot more points than he's given us away. And you know, we go back to the the whole thing. It's like the whole teams and in this, and not just the keeper. He won't be pinned up and go. It's your fault. Um, yeah. You know, which I do see sometimes on social media. People do pinpoint some people very very quickly. Um, you know, but this kid is—he's uh, you know, twenty year old, still learning his, his uh, you know, his trade, and he's been fantastic for us this year since he's coming from, you know, for for that. I think he needs some support, um, without a shadow of a doubt. I think Kiko needs to be moved on, um, mm. and I'm sure that'll be something which is in the pipelines of some sort. Um, yeah, well, look, every football club needs recruitment. Our recruitment in the summer was fantastic. Agreed. Yeah. You know, we brought in four yeah. four internationals at least. You know, and you know, you you've got Cock in there, you've got Lorente in there, who were two internationals, you know, in their own right. You've got Rodrigo who who looks a right player and Rafina who is who is pretty much a finished article, you know. Yeah. The the biggest thing for me is that we can keep all of these players. You know, yeah, not, I, I, yeah. I, I think we'll get two or three years out of them anyway, but I think that'll be about the size of it, you know. I think you're right, but I think the other side of that is, you know, and you look at our club balances things do we sell somebody and bring three or four players in you know it won't go down well with some fans you know but that's <laughs> this one you know, it won't go down well with me <laughs> if, you look, if you look at like you know you look at Pontus when he left as an example people were like yeah. oh, how are we going to change how are we going to do them we got twice the player in Ben Wright yeah Great yeah. point great point no it, it, you've got to think that football evolves and football moves on and, and players have a value and, and as soon as they hit that value to a certain point, do you cash in and get three or four players who can fit in your team as good and maybe even better? Go back to what we were talking about earlier on about a team and not an individual. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. It's like you, this is the this is the hard thing which Victor's got to sort. And also, you know, the chairman's got to sort. You know, they've they've got to in their own heads, they have to kind of obviously get the club to be the highest point they possibly can, yeah. with the book being very good, but also with a football team which is playing great football. You know, That's if it was job. me, I'd have, I'd have Rafinha on a, on a five-year contract tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Making the most, the best paid player in the club. Um, I'd put Kelvin up there with him as well, give him the money, you know, and yeah. then get get Bielsa to sign at the end of the season because I'm pretty sure Marcelo will want to be in that football ground with a full um, capacity. I think we might only get one more year potentially. You know, my worry is then who comes in because this is the longest he's ever done in a football club. He's obviously got Leeds at heart. He loves the football club. He loves the city. Um, 
you know, my worry is that he's been and he's not been at a football club for this long ever before, you know. So what are the building blocks for that part? You know, so these are all the things which we talk about the backroom staff. They're all building these little blocks already. And there'll be little things which are going on all the time. So Absolutely. We always need recruitment. Um, but if we sell one of our best players, we get three or four of our uh, uh, of a, an equal. If we got, if like, put it a different way, I'll try and put it a different way. So we sold Rafinha as an example, all right? Let's yeah. say we sold him for 70 million quid. We bought him for 17. Yeah. Right? And we go and buy four more players like Rafina at 17 million quid. You're going to be happy. We are going to be happy, but on the on the argument to that, I think it's because Rafinha's slotted in and and, and he's just come up to speed so quickly, and he? He's almost come straight in. Uh, the, the, obviously, the other guys have been injured, which fair enough, but he's just come in and he's just come up to standard and he's shown he's a class above, hasn't he? Let's oh. be honest. And I think, I think finding four players that are going to be guaranteed to fit into the team and produce... Performances. If you could guarantee me, Andy, I'd snap your hand off. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> if you could guarantee me now that if we sell him, we'll get four players of equal quality. Yeah, give them. Um, but yeah, this is the thing with recruitment. This is what it is. is there for. You know, you, you look at this team. Look at when we played Leicester. You know, there was a time against Leicester that we had every single player on that football pitch played in the Championship for yeah. United. Yeah. You know, you tell me a you tell me a Premiership club which has gone from the Championship up into the Premiership which have ever done that. I don't think I don't think it's you can. Yeah, non-existent. Non-existent. Yeah. So See the day. You have to like Bielsa. We have to trust him. Whatever decision he makes, I saw it yesterday. Well, why you know team selection? Where, where, why is he putting him here? Why is he putting him there? Why is he putting this? There? You know, he's got us where we are. We were tenth in the Premier League. Let's leave the guy alone. Let's. You know, so many Marcelo Bielsa's out there on social media. Yeah. The guy is God, really, to Leeds United. He's he's the one. He's like Don Revy is. You know, the the, the guys who who come through and you know Normans and, and Eddies and and these kind of people. He's gonna there'll be a statue of him without a shadow of a doubt. You know, there'll be you know like Billy and everything else. He'll be he'll be there. He'll be up on a big massive statue somewhere at some point. Will Marshall sat on a bucket? Do you reckon he'll be sat on the bucket? He's got to be, hasn't he? I don't know. I get him standing up, me personally. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know he's you've just got to let him go. He's a he's an enigma. Sure. He's he's a guy who um, you know gets so much out of the players he's got and makes the players better. And that's most likely why Rafinha came because and Rodrigo came because they knew that he would make them better. Um, and is that a, is that a stepping stone for them? Is that how they look at it? Oh, I'm going to come to Leeds. I'm going to stepping stone up to a, a huge contract at one of the top two clubs or whatever. So I think Rafinha could play in any football club in the world. Oh, yeah. You know. So and there's reports Barcelona are interested in him at the minute and, and a few others. But um, you know we've got him at the minute, um, and there ain't a lot going on. You know, January transfer window. There's normally uh, quite a few, quite a few strange things go on in in January, and um, there's been none this year. And is it you know, realistically is that because of Brexit? Is it because of the the, the virus? Is it because you know the, the money's just not is drying up a little bit? Um, and we might hopefully have, have picked up a, an absolute gem in the summer, um, and we keep him for four or five, six years. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, go back to your Barcelona comment there. I was actually listening to uh, a radio station and they were talking about there's information that's been leaked about Messi's contract recently. Um, 
and basically Barcelona are in in debt to the tune of about seven hundred million at the moment, like um, with no way of paying it. This is why it looks like Messi is off in the summer somewhere. But I I I, I was just thinking I won't fear Barcelona coming after after Rafinha when I no, heard but that. Liverpool, like, I was just when you were talk, saying talks of Liverpool like, as well, weren't there? I think if any 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 club that's playing Champions League football that are earning the Wonga can can you know flash a bit of cash to Leeds. At the end of the day, you're gonna, you, you know, what I mean, you're gonna have to sell him. He's probably likely gonna want to go and test himself at that level as well, because um, realistically, our Leeds gonna be playing Champions League football in the next year or two. Probably not. If we're realistic, if we're optimistic, yeah, we'll be winning the league. But, uh, but to be realist, I think, I think, yeah, I think if 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 we were flashed enough money and we could, we, we had a ready-made replacement, I think I'd, uh, I think we'd have, we'd have to take it anyway because it's not Victor's job. Victor's job is it's not our job sat on Twitter to uh, to decide who we keep and sell is it I'm afraid um, but like this... for for the first time in nearly 16 years we're in a position of power when it comes to players which is a nice refreshing place to be because we're not looking to sell to a Norwich at a cut price because we have to we're oh, in a position man. now where we yeah where we can go look we want 80 million for him if you don't give us 80 million then you're not getting him. it's as simple as that he's on a four year contract and for the first time in in over a decade, we can actually sit there and go, well, no, we, we don't actually have to know. No, and I think that's, that's, that's probably, a, you know, it's a bigger pull for us as supporters to know that that, that kind of confidence is there, that we, we, we don't have to sell anymore, which is good. We went from yeah, a selling club nice to a not. Yeah. Nice yeah. The, the side of it, when you look at, you go back four years ago, we had Chilino in charge. We had, David Ockaday's manager, we had, you know, Solomon Dakara, that, that, that idiot Evans in charge, you know, we, it's not that long ago when we had these people who were, you know, involved with the football club. And I think, you know, Andreas come in and he has just revolutionized the whole place. I think he's revitalized the, the fans, he's revitalized the city, he's revitalized you know, everything about what Leeds United's ethos is. Um, and he got us, I think he got us very, very quickly. He got what the city was about. He got what the players were about. He got what the fans were about. Um, and he went about to do his business. And I think, um, you know, the, the business he's done with bringing Angus in, with bringing, uh, you know, with bringing Victor in. Victor got a lot of stick, he got to remember. He got a lot of stick for bringing some players in. But now we're seeing well why we see now why he brought these players in because these players could improve. The statistics mm. told us that they just needed a manager who could do that. Mm. Um, and and no 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 offense to any of the managers out there, but you know Steve Evans, you know coming in and, and doing what he what he did and, and things. Hockaday the same thing. You know they, they, even Christiansen, yeah, he was at, at Barcelona and things. But you know realistically, did they have um, the right criteria in the background to? to take us where we wanted to. You know, Victor brought the name of Marcello to uh, to the table um, and everyone, by all accounts, round the table went, you're having a laugh. Um, <laughs> and he said, leave it with me. Um, and lo and behold, the next thing we know, he's, um, you know, he's the manager and the rest is history. And he's, he's, he's he, you know, he's also brought the same really as what Andreas brought in. I don't think any other manager would have maybe brought the same, the same, the same kind of, you know, pleasure for everybody to go back and watch, you know, Leeds, you know, we've all watched some shit football, 
let's be honest, at times, yeah. really, really bad football. You know, and we've got to go and talk about it and say it's been good. <laughs> you know, we really have. Um, but then now we've seen some, it's, our jobs are really easy. You know, our jobs at the ground is just so simple because it's the football we play is just a pleasure to watch. Um, it's exquisite. It is. It's a real nice time to be a Leeds United fan. Uh, I mean, to be fair, we've deserved it. I think given given the past sixteen years plus, um, I think we've we've been due this this nice period. Uh, what does worry me slightly is what you said about Bielsa leaving in a year's time and who we do replace him with. I think that is that is key uh, if he does leave in a year's time. Um, I'm hoping he'll stay probably for another 10 or 15 or something. But yeah, no, we can all be <laughs> optimistic. Um, listen, Andy, uh, I do appreciate we've only got a few minutes left with you. So one thing I just wanted to do really quickly before you shoot it off, shot, shooted, whatever it is, uh, before you shoot off, is just a quick fire, five questions. And then I want the first answer that comes into your head, if that's all right. All right, go on then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when, uh, best player you've ever played with? Gary McAllister. Best player you've ever played against? Fat Ronaldo. Good shout. Nice. Who's, most, who's, who's the teammate who was most likely to get locked up on a night out? Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, that's, a, that's not a quick fire one. I've got to think about it. <laughs> Shall we come back to that? because there's plenty more up in Carlisle and Blackpool <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got to be Kells it's got to be Gaz Kelly yeah uh, who wouldn't you have, have had a scrap with out of all your mates teammates who wouldn't you have fought um, Bats and Ooh, last but not it. least last but not least who is your LUFC hero oh my hero he knows this as well Mel Sterland, I, 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 you know, I, I was a right back going through and, uh, you know, Mel's just an absolute legend, um, legend as a man, as well as a player. And um, I, I see him at match days. He's fantastic. Um, Great. But, you know, one of my, one of my heroes is Strack. I would have, I'd have to say Strack as well would be up there. Cause you know, Strack, you, know, you looked up to Strack when I was coming through at that point, he was a skipper. He was called skip as well. Um, but those two in that era for me were, were definitely two which I would be uh, I would be looking up to and um, maybe not for advice from Mel <laughs> maybe not that way but as a player definitely um, I'd have uh, I'd have I'd have could watch Mel all day long smash him uh, and uh, I just I just one final question uh, what was uh, your most memorable moment playing football just in general all the football you played what was your most memorable moment I think that's pretty simple, really, for, for all professional footballers. It's a cliche what we say, making your debut. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's something which nobody can ever take away from you, no matter what league you're in, what you're playing in. Um, it's what everybody on the stands are wanting to do, and, and you've been very pri- privileged to be able to do that. And uh, the disappointing thing, I suppose, is that you don't realise it at that time, you realise it later on in life, and because um, you just right. think it's normal. But, it's uh, just another process in your professional career. Yeah, it's just a promotion. It's just something yeah. which you're going for. But, you know, making your debut, um, my biggest disappointment really was not being able to score, not scoring at Ellen Road, really. Just knocking on from that was, you know, I scored away from Ellen Road a couple of times, but, um, you know, actually scoring at Ellen Road was, 
you know, I didn't, I didn't manage that. But uh, no, making your debut, making my debut for England under twenty ones as well. You know, it's pretty. Um, the two of them were pretty special. That's the stuff. Thanks Great very much. Stuff. Yeah, thanks, Andy. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. A true gent. Uh, re- really appreciate your honest feedback of, of your time at Leeds and the game in general, uh, up to yeah. now, really, I suppose. Um, we will certainly be tagging you in this when it goes out, at AndyCuz23, if anybody wants to get in touch. Um, yeah. And Andy's got a website as well. It's just andycousins.co.uk, if you want to have a look at what he's up to these days. Um but yeah, nothing left to say, but thanks ever so much and uh, look forward to hopefully catching up again sometime in the near future, Andy. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Cheers, Andy. Thanks for your time. Cheerio. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Bye, Sorry, mate. What do you think about that then? That was grand, yeah. That's good crack. Yeah. He answered all my fucking questions when he just started talking, so I was just sitting there fucking redundant as fuck. Like. I know. <laughs> What a gent though, what a proper nice fella. Um mm. literally just I could have talked to him for two or three hours to be fair about, about football and leads. Um yeah. I could have literally sat there and, and talked to him forever because he's he you could tell he's a proper fan, couldn't you? Do you know what I mean? He's a proper Leeds fan. Um yeah. and, and I think that makes it a lot easier for for us as fans to speak to not just an ex Leeds player but an actual Leeds fan as well. Um, mm. And I, I really enjoyed that. As I said, I had loads more questions I could have asked him, but I was conscious we, we only had him till till half three. He's got an, a, an appointment at four o'clock. So, oh, has um, he? Yeah. So he said, oh, right. I said, yeah, an hour, an hour will be plenty, thinking would have been over within 45 minutes, but I could have literally carried on that for <laughs> another couple of hours, to be fair. So might try and get him back on and go, go into... Uh, Go into a, yeah. go into a, the people he played with. I had a big list. I just wanted, I wanted to ask him about what what sort of personalities they were like and, uh, and yeah. Stuff. But, but yeah, no, wicked that. Well enjoyed. It's nearly one of them interviews where you could sit in a pub and just have a camera recording the fucking three, just sitting there and having a few pints and a chat. Exactly, isn't it? exactly. Mm. I, I could listen to his like. He's probably got loads of stories that he probably couldn't go into. Didn't I? Didn't have time yeah. to. Um, but yeah, what what a guy! I can't believe he only made just less than 40 appearances though like over four years yeah. but saying that he was up against Gary Kelly at right back yeah. uh, who was Mr Consistent wasn't he uh, well, very it, rarely yeah. injured as well hardly ever like hardly ever yeah. so yeah it was, it was always going to be tougher because Gary was kind of nearly established in the, in the team at that stage like you know yeah it was good though I well enjoyed listening 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to another Auto Know Better podcast, the Independent League United podcast. You can engage with us via our socials on YouTube and Twitter at the address at Auto Know Better with your thoughts on the show or subjects you'd like us to discuss. You can even join us live and have your say while we're recording on our YouTube channel for the main weekly show and the Barati and Coke after match podcasts. With three years' worth of content you can listen back to, from interviews with former Leeds players and managers to Hollywood stars. Maybe choose carefully which match reviews to check out though. Remember to subscribe on whichever app you choose to follow us on. <laughs>